All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the author of a newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, you do need to put your name on a waiting list, and he will accept new subscribers uh, during the first couple of weeks of the new calendar quarter, uh, which will begin then in October. Uh, so put go to J, uh, actually go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com to sign up for my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, or to put your name on the waiting list to sign up for Chen Lin's newsletter. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? You can also call our office at 718-457-1426, 718-457-126 as well. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. I want to also encourage you to continue sending your questions, comments, criticisms, or praises to questions for taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Uh, also follow me on Twitter. My handle is jtaylormedia, J-A-Y, taylormedia.com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making the show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Vino Silver and Gold Mines, Novo Resources, RN Resources, Kalinex Resources, and Balmoral Resources. Well, earlier today, David Stockman wrote a piece titled, Forget the Dips, Sell the Rips. If you share that view, today is a great day to sell, not buy stocks. Yes, indeed. The mainstream on CNBC today is telling you exactly that today is the day to buy stocks. Buy the dips. That's what's worked so well over the last number of years. So never mind the doomsday types like David Stockman and others that appear on this show on a regular basis. But one guy who is anything but a doomsday guy, but rather a person who is very astute at technical analysis, analysis and who lets the structure and momentum forces of the markets guide his investing policies much more uh, certainly than his emotions, and who is definitely in sync with David Stockman's uh, idea to uh, forget the dips and sell the rips, uh, is Michael Oliver. Uh, he is very much in sync also with uh, Dr. Robert McHugh uh, that we have on this show on a, uh, on a fairly regular basis from time to time. Because our schedule is filled today with Franklin Sanders and Malcolm Davidson of Avino Silver and Gold Mines, there was just not enough time to have Michael on this show live with me today. I love to have Michael every week uh, as much for my own edification as for yours. But I did the, the next best thing I could, and that was interview Michael last evening after the tumultuous equity market decline 
Uh, you know, we've had those two consecutive 50-plus down days, which are just amazing uh, declines in the equity markets. Uh, but you can listen to that interview that I had at, after the close of the markets yesterday with Michael uh, Oliver. Go to jtaylormedia.com. Even though I personally have a considerable percentage of my own portfolio on the short side of the equity and high-yield markets, I am glad that we are seeing a rally in stocks today because the kind of panic selling we saw yesterday and late last week is downright frightening, even if you are on the right side of the downside market. The kind of panic in the markets that we witnessed yesterday and last week can lead to massive financial instability which in turn can lead ultimately to civil disorder and unrest, especially if it, threatens, uh, to, uh, if it threatens the social programs that masses of Americans, uh, thanks to Keynesian economics, have in, been encouraged to participate in as a means of staying alive rather than working for a living. Of course, that's what socialism does. It encourages people uh, to be regressive and to put their hands out. That's not saying that we shouldn't have compassion and try to help those around us. Indeed, we should. Uh, I think starting with our own families on a personal basis, much better that we do it voluntarily than have government force Peter to pay Paul. So I am glad that we are seeing a rally in the uh, markets today. But again, I would urge you to listen to Michael's thoughts on the markets as after the close yesterday. Uh, I think he can really help you to learn why today's rebound is in fact expected uh, this is certainly something that I had hoped for and expected we might see earlier than just today, but finally we are seeing it. But Mike will explain why it's expected and uh, why you should not take this uh, as a buying opportunity, which, of course, you are being urged to do by the mainstream. Michael, as well as David Stockman and Dr. Robert McHugh, will advise you to take advantage of this bounce actually to sell stocks, except not gold and silver stocks. All of these gentlemen... I believe, as I do, that you should be accumulating gold and silver stocks now. Michael will also advise you of the next two price levels for gold that will cause him to increase his allocation from the current 50% uh, to 75% and then 100% of the amount of gold he wants in his portfolio. So right now, Michael is sitting with 50% of the ultimate amount of gold he wants to have in his portfolio. I'm not saying he wants to have 50% of his entire portfolio, 75 and then 100% in gold. No, I'm not saying that. He says, how much gold do you want in your portfolio? Now you should have 50% of that in gold. And then depending as we leap over certain levels, he wants to jump to 75 and then 100%. We'll go to Jay Taylor Media to hear this interview with Michael uh, to learn uh, what those levels are. I would also like to bring up my inflation-deflation uh, watch, I call it. My, it's an inflation-deflation watch. It really uh, measures the inflation and, or deflation of asset prices around the globe. Despite massive monetary stimulus, my IDW has cut through a three-year and now a five-year moving average on the downside like a hot knife through butter. Today, my IDW should increase a bit with the, with the uh, rally in both commodities and stocks, but it will remain decidedly below the five-year moving average in spite of the fact that we've had this massive increase in monetary stimulation because I believe that we are in the early stages of a mass deflation of financial assets that cannot be sustained because the underlying real economy around the globe is rotting to the core thanks again to the anti-capitalist philosophy 
of Keynesian economics. My IDW is suggesting there is a secular decline in uh, growth around the world. And up until recently, U.S. equities were keeping the IDW uh, from collapsing. But with the recent decline in stocks and continued decline in basic commodities like oil and copper, it has plunged like a falling knife. And I see no reason not to think that it will continue, that that plunge will continue. We are in the early stages, again, I would say, of a secular economic market decline exactly because the world has drunk the Kool-Aid not sold to us by a crazy religious fanatic dictator in Jonestown, Guyana, but rather by the Keynesian Kool-Aid sponsors of the ruling elite from Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, Oxford, and Cambridge, throw them in there with the mix as well. The ruling elite that have sold us a bill of goods and have sold the world the big Keynesian lie. I would also like to call your attention to a very important insight into recent policy changes in China that came to me from John Lee. He's the executive chairman of Prophecy Development Corp. John Lee provided some very good insights into why China has chosen now to devalue its yuan. Virtually, uh, as John points out, all the reasons given by the mainstream media are wrong, and he explains why they are wrong and what the real motives for devaluing the yuan yuan have been. This is very important because I think that, uh, that it will help you understand the direction of things to come. What John said in an interview that you can also listen to at jtaylormedia.com is that China is concerned about the massive outflow of capital in large part due to the strong dollar, which makes return on investments from outsiders much lower than if the yuan were uh, at a more reasonable exchange rate. Keep in mind that the yuan has appreciated 30% against other Asian currencies because it has been pegged to the dollar. So I think this is very important for the equity and precious markets. So I hope that you will listen to John Lee's interview at jtaylormedia.com. Also listen to Michael Oliver's interview, which I uh, did with Michael last evening after the market closed on Monday. Just one more note before I get to today's program. While the markets in both the United States and Europe rebounded fairly strongly today, the Shanghai markets lost another 7.63% today. Shenzhen lost 7.1%, and the Tokyo markets, too, lost nearly 4%. In short, I see no reason to believe that the global stock market uh, is out of the woods or anything close to being out of the woods. Indeed, I think today's rally does does in fact provide an opportunity to sell the rip, as David Stockman, as well as Michael Oliver, suggests that you do. Well, let's turn to today's show. I've titled it, What Are the Gold Dow and Silver Dow Ratios Telling Us? Franklin Sanders Returns and Malcolm Davidson Visits for the First Time. Few hard money professionals better understand the spiritual pathology of our current fiat monetary system than does Franklin Sanders. Fiat money is simply legalized theft. Its institution in the global monetary system, especially since 1971, has funded a murderous orgy of death and riches that has now pushed the world to the precipice of a global financial hell on earth and potentially wars. Franklin will comment on some major fundamental indications pointing to an end of this orgy, including the Dow to gold and Dow to silver ratios, and I expect he will provide some advice as to how to avoid mainstream lies as well as quackery from some well-meaning folks outside of the mainstream and how to protect yourself physically and spiritually uh, for the difficult days that lie ahead. 
Malcolm Davidson, who serves as treasurer of Avino Silver and Gold Mines, will report on this uh, on this silver miner company's latest profitable quarter and growth plans into the future. Indeed, with silver remaining even weaker than gold, and with many people, including Franklin Sanders, believing that silver will outperform gold once the precious metals bull market returns, you may want to pay close attention to the Avino Silver story. That company continues to grow uh, its production and earn profits even in what can only be described as a dismal market for both silver and gold. Well, we do have to go to our first commercial break, but when we come back, I will be with Malcolm Davidson of Avino Silver and Gold. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Novo Resources Corporation, trading symbols NSRPF on the OTCQX and NVO on the Canadian Securities Exchange, is an advanced junior mining exploration company whose highly prospective assets are located in the Hammersley Basin of Western Australia. Novo's flagship asset, its Beaton's Creek Project, has an NI43101 compliant resource of 420,000 ounces at a grade of 1.5 grams per ton. With $10 million in cash and strong shareholder support from Newmont Mining, Novo looks to complete a feasibility study in the first quarter of 2015. Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified, low-cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth-oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation and is on pace to double output in 2015. Avino recently partnered with Samsung CNT and is now an official metals supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the NYSE market and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM. If you want a silver lining in your portfolio, think of Eno. Oren Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Oren is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have with me for the first time Malcolm Davidson. He's the treasurer of Avino Silver and Gold Mines. Uh, Malcolm joined Avino Silver and Gold back in 2010, and prior to that, uh, his background is in accounting and the accounting field, and uh, he uh, certainly has been a, a great addition to this company. I've known this company for many years, and of course, many of you have listened in the past to me speak with David uh, David Wolfen, who's the present CEO of the company. But it's really good to have you with me, Malcolm. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jay. 
Really, uh, really good to talk to you. You know, before we get started, I should just tell our listeners uh, your stock trades in the United States on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol ASM, and the same symbol, I believe, in Toronto. Uh, Thirty-six point four million shares outstanding, uh, selling at about a dollar eleven uh, when this is being recorded on Thursday um, prior to the show. And uh, in fact. Um, one of the things I've really liked about Avino is a conscious effort to hold the share structure in place and not to allow the number of shares to get blown out. And I think that people who own this stock now, especially uh, with the rising production of Avino, and also uh, if we're seeing a real turnaround and a rise in the price of silver, uh, you know, owning companies uh, with few shares outstanding and rising profits is a lot better than owning companies with zillions of shares outstanding and rising profits. So, uh, with that said, uh, I'd like to get into this discussion. You guys just announced your earnings for c- the second quarter of this year, uh, and you're making money uh, in spite of the dismal silver prices. Talk to us a little bit about your uh, performance during the second quarter of Avino Gold and Silver. Well, certainly. Um, we recently uh, published our Q2 financial statements uh, earlier this week, and uh, we're very pleased with our financial results. Uh, as we all know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty tough out there, and, and a lot of our uh, a lot of mining companies are showing losses, and, and uh, certainly some hard times out there. But Avino is, you know, we're, we're working hard at it, and we had uh, another good quarter. Uh, in Q2, we um, generate a five point nine million in revenue. Mine operating income was two point three million. Uh earnings for the period were uh, about four hundred thousand dollars and uh earning one cent per share. Yeah, one one cent for share, uh you know, for for a company. Uh, what what were your earnings in the first quarter? Or did you show earnings the first quarter? I can't remember exactly, but you've certainly would have been cash flow positive through the first uh, six yeah, months. Yeah, very similar. Um, you know, that uh, you know, one cent doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, in, in this market, uh, it, it certainly is um, very strong. Well, you had operating profits of I think you, you just said two point three million on five point nine in sales. Yeah, we have one one million. Uh, sorry, one cent uh, uh, earnings per share in the first yeah. quarter. One cent earnings per share, uh, but after you've addressed all your expenses, your corporate overhead, your cash, uh, your non-cash expenses, and everything else, to show a profit in this market. Uh, but you know, of course, if if I thought that you were only going to do one cent a share per quarter, I'd say, all right, well, your stock is selling at a dollar eleven. I'm not going to pay more than that for it. But I know uh, that you have some real, relatively aggressive growth uh, projections into the future. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, earlier this year, on January 1, we began processing new material in Mill Circuit 3 uh, from the recently reopened Avino mine. Uh, so we'll be adding that uh, production um, to, uh, uh, to our, our results this year. Um, San Gonzalo continues to um, be uh, operating very well. We're very happy with the results, uh, very strong. Um, you know, looking... Uh, you know, a year or two down the road, we're uh, also considering, um, you know, moving towards the oxide tailings, which uh, which we've talked about in the past. So we've got a lot of good projects. Um, we've got, uh, you know, over a dozen uh, old mines uh, and potential on the Vino mine site uh, in Mexico. Um, so there's lots, lots of opportunities and, and lots of uh, uh, things to take advantage of in the coming years. Has the company provided any guidance on its production uh, uh, expectations? 
Um, no, we, it's, it's tough. We get asked that question quite a bit, but we don't have a feasibility study and reserves. It's, uh, it's very difficult. We, we basically, we can't, we can't give guidance at this time. But, okay. Um, in, in the future, hopefully that will change. Well, fair enough. And you do have a history of operations and, and it's been going very well, even in these weak markets. But talk to us a little bit, uh, talk to us a little bit about your cost per silver equivalent ounce and, and maybe give us an idea of how much silver you've produced through the first six months and, and more specifically the last quarter and sure. and then gold and copper as well because those are uh, significant byproducts really. They are. Um, you know, since we began production at San Gonzalo in Q4 uh, 2012, uh, we've continued to uh, decrease our uh, cash cost per ounce. Uh, in the most recent quarter, our cash cost per ounce was 867, and our all-in sustaining cash cost was 1172. So those are very, very, very strong numbers. Um, we've been working hard at, at keeping our costs down and uh, being efficient with our operations. Uh, and in this market, we, you know, with softer metal prices, we're, we're continuing to look at uh, additional ways to reduce costs uh, and maintain our efficiencies. Um, uh, this this year uh, to date, uh, we've produced uh, 794,000 silver equivalent ounces from the Vino mine, and at San Gonzalo, uh, we've produced 458,000 uh, silver equivalent ounces. A very strong uh, uh, results. Um, you know, we're continuing to add uh, add to our production. Um, we're looking forward uh, to the future when we actually take a Vino from being more of an advancement and development project into production. Uh, a lot of our shareholders have asked us about that, uh, and management continues to to review uh, making a production decision. So we, we hope to have uh, uh, some additional information later this year on that. You mentioned that you're continuing to look for ways to uh, improve your operations and lower your cost. Uh, could you give our listeners some sense of, of what some of those things might be that you're doing? And uh, and then also talk about how you've just raised $10 million to finance those. Sure. Um, I mean, at the moment, we, we do run a, a very lean operation. Uh, we're very proud of that. So it's, it's, it's very tough for Vino to look for additional ways to reduce costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a good labor force, uh, very efficient. Um, but you, know, you can always do things... You can always do things better, and you can always do things more efficiently. Um, so we're looking at every possible way to uh, to be more efficient and cut costs uh, for supplies uh, where we can. Um, we're also continuing to purchase brand new equipment, uh, which is very efficient, and that also helps to bring down our production costs. Mm-hmm. And you and you know one of the things, as I mentioned when I introduced you, that that I like about Avino is you've kept your share structure, your number of shares down at thirty six point four million shares. I mean that's an unheard of number for a company that's been around as long as Avino. But uh, you, you know, you raised ten million dollars, and I think uh, talk to our listeners a little bit of how you did that because I think that's you did it without share dilution, which is what I love as a shareholder. Well, over a year ago, uh, David Wolf and our CEO uh, was giving a presentation in Europe, and one of Samsung's representatives uh, attended the presentation and, and really liked uh, the presentation and the Avina story. Uh, so this individual approached David afterwards and, and got to know him a little bit better. And um, so over the last year and a half, uh, Samsung's continued to, to show more interest in uh, Avino, uh, not just the Avino mine, but also San Gonzalo. 
so earlier this year, they they um, sort of said, "Look, you know, we really we really want to get something done with you guys. We like the management team. We like the project." So Samsung went down to uh, uh, to the mine site in uh, in January uh, with their due diligence team and had a look at everything, and they were very very impressed with the operation, the management team, and the potential for Avino. Uh, so uh, since January, we've continued to to work with their uh, their senior team at uh, putting together an arrangement, a prepaid arrangement uh, that worked uh, worked well for Avino and, and Samsung. So recently, we uh, we closed that transaction uh, and we were able to put ten million dollars in the bank uh, without diluting our current shareholders. Uh, it's you know it's it's music to my ears honestly. Uh, you also uh, you know you you've you've been known as a silver producer primarily. Although the name and you also have gold in the name of your company, and yep. you've uh, recently acquired the Braylorn Gold Mine in British Columbia. Talk to our listeners a little bit about how that how that came about, and also what are your plans for the Braylorn Gold Mine? Oh okay. Um, well, Braylon's in, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's got a very rich history. Um, it's got uh, a lot of potential. Um, we've worked closely with Braylon for, for many years. Uh, Braylon previously operated out of our office, so we, we know the management team, we know the project quite well. Uh, David Wolfen's uh, father uh, founded the company, and, and uh, so there's a long, long history with David and his father with Braylon. But... Uh, the company was uh, undercapitalized and, and in a tough spot. And uh, Avino looked at the, you know, we did our due diligence and had a good look at the mine and realized that there was a lot of potential there. So we moved forward with the acquisition. So we completed that in November. Um, since then, we've uh, uh, we're continuing to review mine plans because we'd like to have the operation up and up and running. But uh, at the moment, we're uh, doing a tailings raise. Um, most people have heard of the incident at Mount Polly, and uh, we want to make sure that our tailings facility is, is uh, uh, top-notch and, and we're not going to have any issues. So starting next week, uh, we'll be starting a tailings raise, a 10 for tailings raise. We anticipate that will take uh, anywhere from six to eight weeks. And once that's done, uh, we plan to resume operations. So at the moment, the the operation is quite small. We're producing; uh, it has the capability of producing about 100 tons per day. It's permitted for 500 tons per day, but it's going to take uh, some work and some capital to uh, to make mill improvements to get up to that uh, that type of production. So uh, at the moment, we we just want to get uh, get the operation running and generating some cash flow, uh, which we can then use towards uh, putting towards exploration and finding more resources. So you'll start out with 100 tons per day, and I, I believe this is a, a fairly high-grade uh, underground deposit. I don't know if you're willing to talk about grades. I guess maybe you, you're going to just let the the numbers talk for themselves at this point in time, or do you have you know, a resource at, there? At the moment, uh, the resource, uh, I believe, was done, I think, in the 70s, so it's, uh, it's pretty outdated. It's out of date uh, and not compliant with uh, with regulations at this time. That's right. So um, uh, you know, once we get the mill up and running, uh, we'll definitely be moving forward with uh, some exploration to find additional resources. And um, at the same time, we'd like to expand the output capabilities of the mill um, and get it to 500 tons per day. But it's going to take some time and it's going to take some money. 
Well, organic growth is is what you referred to in your press release uh, just last week, and that's another thing that I like about you. Of course, that's why you've been able to keep your shares uh, share numbers down. But uh, growing this thing organically, I guess you start out small and raise capital and use the uh, raise uh, cash flow and earnings and use that then to grow the Braylorn, just as you have uh, in the past down in Mexico with your silver operations. But let me ask you this, Malcolm: you have um, you know you have a one cent per share. Uh, earnings for the last quarter, the last quarter that you just talked about. Give me a sense of what uh, you know. What is the sensitivity uh, to the price of silver with your Mexican silver operations now? Because you know, if we're at a turn in the silver market and the gold market, and I, I sort of believe that could very be, well be the case, uh, then you know, not only increased production in Mexico, but also increased profit margins might be expected can you give our listeners some sense of what a dollar of you know a dollars in the price of silver might mean either to the increase or decrease in the in the profits or cash flows of of avino oh sure i mean we're all very sensitive to to metal prices and we certainly don't want to see them going lower um but uh, as we talked about avino's got a very low uh, all-in sustaining cash cost at 1172 mm-hmm. So, you know, if metal prices do decrease by, say, a dollar, uh, silver price, um, you know, they'll still be profitable and we still have, uh, we still have a healthy margin. If it goes the other way, well, we'll be very happy. You can just start so, a, uh, so, yeah. so we're, we're in a good, we're in a good position. Our, our numbers are strong, but, you know, we have to, to really, really keep an eye on our costs. And as I mentioned, you know, find ways to reduce costs. Um, and be more efficient because we, we really need to protect that cash cost uh, so that we can absorb uh, sensitivity. Well, I think uh, you know the company's done a great job of, of doing that in the past, and I, I guess maybe the challenge might be, Malcolm, and it might be a good challenge to have, would be when times get good, can you keep the cost down and under control? Because that's when uh, when companies make a lot of mistakes. We've seen that happen, of course, in the, with some of the bigger guys, uh, you know, with, with gold running up to $1,900, they got kind of crazy and paid a lot, way too much in some cases for the projects they acquired. And uh, and then had to um, mothball them or, or write them down or whatever. But uh, but clearly, uh, I, you know, this is one I really like. It's been a recommendation in my newsletter for a number of years, long before uh, Avino became a, a recommendation. And, you know, I've known Louis Wolfen uh, for decades, probably before you were born, Malcolm. And uh, but <laughs> I, I, So I've, uh, my history goes back a long ways, and I've known the people. And, you know, it really boils down to people, doesn't it? it does. Management. Uh, and and I think David is doing a fantastic job, and I'm really glad that you've you've joined the company as well, Malcolm. And I, you know, if, is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell our listeners before we conclude our discussion today? No, no. I mean, we appreciate uh, we appreciate the support, and um, we like hearing from everybody, shareholders, potential shareholders. Um, we have an open door policy. Uh, you know, people have the year of the CFO, the CEO, and, and anybody else here anytime. Good. Uh, and we like to hear from people. So. Uh, Give us a call. Any questions? You know, visit our website and uh, you know, keep current and have a look at our news releases and, and uh, come see us and come ask us questions anytime. Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, let me just mention also, it's avino.com is the website, and you can go there to listen to a discussion of the conference call that you had, I, I believe, just last week, Malcolm, discussing the. Uh, the latest quarterly earnings. So, uh, well, thank you very much for being with us, and uh, well, I really uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime, perhaps after the next quarter. Thank you very much. 
Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back after the break with Franklin Sanders, who will have uh, something to tell us about the gold-to-dow ratio and why he is very excited about what he sees right now uh, for the precious metals. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Franklin Sanders. Some things never go out of style. In the gold business for over 100 years, high-grade Canadian gold discoveries have been in vogue amongst investors. Balmoral Resources has continued to deliver high-grade results from a series of new discoveries in Quebec. If you're looking to upgrade your portfolio in the fall with some golden highlights, learn more about Balmoral at balmoralresources.com. Balmoral trades on the OTCQX under the symbol BALMF and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol BAR. Kalinex is a junior with major near-term catalysts. This tightly held company is advancing its projects containing copper, zinc, gold, and silver in Manitoba, Canada. Kalinex's projects are within 10 miles to Hud Bay's mine that has less than five years of ore. Kalinex has high-grade deposits and new targets with exciting discovery potential, with drill results anticipated shortly. Now is the time to learn more about Kalinex by visiting kalinex.ca. That's C-A-L-L-I-N-E-X dot C-A. Kalinex is publicly traded under the symbols CNX in Canada and CLLXF in the U.S. Oren Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Oren is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for a second time Franklin Sanders. Franklin brings to us a very rare combination of understanding. On the one hand, he is a free market capitalist who understands the laws of nature within the four dimensions of time and space. And in fact, he can help you if you are in the markets to buy free market money, namely gold and silver. He does uh, sell those products. Uh, he also provides a, a really good commentary, I think, almost on a daily basis that I read uh, that he sends out, and that's free of charge. Uh, so I would suggest you take advantage of that. Uh, so he has that one dimension, that, that idea that the understanding of, of, of capitalism and free markets and how they work. But on the other hand, Franklin also understands that there exists outside of time and space a creator of the universe who actually rules over all that goes on in our world, even if sometimes it doesn't seem like it. With regard to that part of his life, Franklin is an ordained presbyter in the Reformed Episcopal Church and he pastors Christ Our Hope Church in Westport, Tennessee. Well, I personally believe 
that the real reason for America's economic problems uh, is spiritual in nature, and I think I'm correct in suggesting that Franklin shares that view. I also believe that uh, Franklin shares my view that because of a spiritual demise, our nation and the world as a whole is facing some extremely difficult times in the years to come. And so as much as preparing ourselves for material goods and survival uh, within these four dimensions of time and space, we also need to prepare ourselves spiritually. Now, if you need any evidence that America is in trouble spiritually, I think all you need to do uh, is to look at the experience that Franklin uh, Sanders himself uh, has provided for us. He described that in our July 14th discussion with, with him, uh, that our nation, in fact, is not a government of laws, but a government of men. It's a nation of men, I should say. So what, in my mind, uh, sets Franklin apart from most of us, even those of us hard money, free market advocates who are Christians, is his courage to stand up for what is right, even when he knows that it could possibly cost him a great deal, he and his family. And indeed, he did that, as we discussed on, on this show back on July 14th. I would suggest to learn more about Franklin uh, and to partake in his insights into these markets Go to the money, that's the-moneychanger.com, the-moneychanger.com. There you can sign up for his, uh, for his free market letter and also buy gold and silver products. He has a, a host of products that he sells, and he's been in business for 30 years. Uh, he is as honest as anybody I've ever met in this business, uh, and so I think you might want to, if you're interested, and I think you all should be, in owning some gold and silver, physical gold and silver, then I think one of the best places to start would be the-moneychanger.com. So anyway, Franklin, I want to thank you so much for for joining me again today. It's a pleasure having you with me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. It's really good. I I should mention on your website, uh, if people go there, there's uh, some questions and answers uh, that I think are very interesting, you know, the Ten Commandments for Buying Gold and Silver, How Do I Buy and Sell, Who is the Money Changer, and there your, is your story under that segment, uh, Who is the Money Changer, and that is where people can actually read the story that you told in part, in, in brevity, when you were with us on the 14th of July. Then there's articles of interest, Why Silver Will Outperform Gold, 400%, Franklin says, uh, and the paranoia industry, uh, you know, why you don't need to be afraid. Franklin also provides some uh, some soothing comfort there, I think. And uh, is it time to talk or to fish? Well, these are some interesting topics. That, so again, themoneychanger.com. Well, Franklin, uh, before we get started, am I correct in suggesting that you share my view that the root cause of America's financial problems are spiritual in nature? Well, of course. You know, the... The scriptures make plain, and this is something people don't generally understand, that man is a, is a creature of both body and spirit. You, you don't get one or the other. You get both, and they're not, you can't separate them. You can't, you know, dry a human being and say, okay, we've got dried spirit over here and dried body over here. They mm-hmm. work together in tandem. Mm-hmm. Different than the animals, then. I mean, we, we love our dogs and cats, and some of us do. We have pets. We have animals that, we, that are sort of um, soul creatures, in a way, uh, I suppose. Some people have described them. They're, they seem to uh, express some love and affection, uh, but, but not quite the same as the, human, as the human being, I guess. 
No, well, don't get me off in the vexed question of whether there will be dogs in heaven or not. (laughs) (laughs) I confess, I think there will be because Psalm 36 says, Thou, Lord, wilt save both man and beast. So it's, you know, we we learn something from animals, something that's essential. Uh, But yeah, the problems are spiritual. And one of the great problems is a problem of morality, and that is that people want a free ride. They want a free lunch. Yeah. And we've actually come to an age in America where people believe that they can have a free lunch at somebody else's expense. Right. Believe that they can all, you know, somehow or the other, uh, come to riches without really working very hard. And, you know, maybe by picking somebody else's pocket, but that's okay because everybody else does it. Yeah, I was just looking at... Uh a quote from Winston Churchill, he says, Socialism is a philosophy of failure, the greed of ignorance, and the gospel of envy. Its inherent virtue is the equal sharing of misery. And, uh, and I think that sort of, sort of hits on, on what you were talking about. But we have been taught, have we not, Franklin, by our, uh, by our educational system uh, that we can have something for nothing. And the, Keynesian, the whole Keynesian philosophy adheres to that or is, is used to, to sell that bill of goods to us, no? Right, that's right. And then and slow and that has eroded the the uh, character of America. And you know, there are a lot of good people left out there. I don't want to make give the idea that that's not so. But sure. there are a lot of them who've given up and and decided that they don't have to be productive people. Right. And that's just not so. Right. So. And of course, if you have a dysfunctional economic system which has been made dysfunctional mechanically by uh, by Keynesian economics, which does not allow, let's say, the pricing of capital to be discovered by, you know, by manipulation of interest rates and, and foreign exchange rates and so forth. Uh, and then you have job opportunities which are not so abundant as they once were. It sort of encourages people, I suppose, along those lines. And then you have government programs that say, well, that's okay. Uh, if you can't find a job, uh, just go ahead. I mean, I was just seeing at lunchtime a, an announcement on on Bloomberg Television here, telling people that you know if you don't have enough money uh, and you can't afford uh, health insurance, well, just call this number and we'll make sure you have the money you need to uh, to uh, to receive health insurance. Now, Franklin, you know, as a Christian, I'm sure that you are very much in favor of helping those around you that cannot help themselves, right? I mean, this is not... Well, I think a lot of times free market types are characterized as, as hard-hearted people that don't care about other people. I think you would share my view that free market economics is a mechanical system that best allows the, um, um, the efficient allocation of resources to abide to provide the most goods for, for people. I think right. you would let me, agree with me. Let me tell you a little incident. I worked, worked my way through college working in hospitals in Memphis, Tennessee, and, mm-hmm. and used to, the churches owned the hospitals. They used to, yeah. Now they, they don't. The Methodist, the Baptist, the St. Joseph, and so, so forth. Mm-hmm. And when I worked at the, at the Methodist, and this, was, this would be in 1966, say, 65 and 66, they had a whole wing on the hospital where indigent people, people without, who could not pay, mm-hmm. got complete service. They had mm-hmm. wards where there would be like 40 beds. They had semi-private rooms where there would be four, two to four beds, and they even had private rooms. And those people got the exact same treatment. Well, now all of those uh, hospitals have been sold to corporations, and that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So it's a, 
Well, that's exactly right. And certainly, I mean, Ron Paul, who's been on this show, has advocated that all along, that uh, if government hadn't stepped in, then, uh, then you know, people, the churches and so forth would, would and have in the past stepped in uh, and done what they could. And that makes sense in a way because, you know, you're, you're helping people in your own community for the most part there in that case, aren't you, Franklin? Oh, sure. Exactly. So, so there are people you know and, and people you can... And people you probably can see on the streets or people that you know in your community are having a difficult time in life. And I mean, that to me is, is what Christianity is all about or what it's meant to be about, is about loving and caring for those around you, the, the unfortunate ones. And I, I mean, but on the other hand, what the, the left side of the political spectrum wants to do is force me and you to do that. We, you know, and then to share our money with people that we have no idea who they are so and let government get in the middle of it. But anyway, I, I digress, and I, I, I don't want to get off on We could talk about that sort of thing all day long, I suppose. But, you know, I, just before we get into the markets, which have been tumultuous and very exciting and unnerving, unnerving in many ways, but before we get there, for those that might not have listened to our discussion back on July 14th, uh, you know, and the, and the notion that our governments really are not obeying their own rules, just tell us briefly, there is a law that you said every single state in the United States, it, it, they're, dif- they're, uh, they're disobeying their own law with respect to currency. Could you just tell our listeners briefly about that? Well, sure. There was a, there's a provision in the United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, that says no state shall make anything but silver and gold a tender in payment of debt. And that was put there because of the experience with state-run paper currencies before and during the the American Revolution. Uh-huh. So states are prohibited from allowing anything to be a legal tender except gold and silver coin, and yet every single one of them violates that law. They right. accept those that green paper money, which is not money. It's it's as the law defines money. It's not money. It is a note, and a note is a promise with what is a promise to pay money. So. That's universally ignored, and, and if you begin to think about it, you, you ask this question, how did this private corporation get the power through government to force the rest of us to accept their notes as if they were money? Right, when the Constitution defies that and says that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I know, obviously a lot of Americans were asleep on that Christmas, uh, Christmas day when the uh, folks met at, uh, when, when they managed to get the, uh, the Federal Reserve Law passed in 19, 1912 or 1913, I guess it was 1912. But in any event, that's, that's history, that's the way it is, and of course the government has the guns, and as you found out, they uh, brought those guns out and forced you uh, to disobey the laws of, of the state of, uh, in that case, I guess it was at that time Mississippi? No, uh, uh, Tennessee, but it was also federal government, too. Tennessee, right, Tennessee, and then, okay. Well, anyway, that, uh, folks can read about this. Uh, who is the money changer? Again, going to uh, the moneychanger.com, the hyphen moneychanger.com, go there, and Franklin's story is there about how he stood up to government and and ultimately was uh, was absolved and and you know went to court and all that but anyway it's it's a very interesting story but a very a very important story and one in which uh, I certainly have gained a great deal of respect for uh, for Franklin thank you very much for that uh, for doing that and for standing up for what is right uh, the courage I think is something that we all need to be challenged to stand up for what is right even if sometimes it may not 
uh, may not be in our best short-term interest. But anyway, let's get to the markets a little bit. Franklin, you started out your missive that you send out. And by the way, let me ask you, do you send out something every day, almost every every workday? Almost every day, yeah. Yeah, uh, almost every day. So on Monday the 24th, yesterday, uh, at the top of the page it says, this is not a dip, it's a disaster and beyond repair. Now that was written after more than a 600-point down day. Uh, you know, for, I mean, we had two tumultuous uh, massacres in the equity market, and on top of a Thursday, which was down, I don't know, through two, three hundred points or whatever. But now, you know, the Dow tried to rally today. It actually was up almost four hundred points. Uh, it looks like it's backing off. In fact, we just I just read a little missive from uh, Robert McHugh, Dr. McHugh, who I think you also know and maybe read some of his uh, his material. He says, frankly, uh, this this rally today is very un- unimpressive given the magnitude of the recent sell-off. And now I'm seeing that the Dow is actually down 97 points on the day. S&P is down 13. Uh, Nasdaq is still up a little bit, but not by much. Um, what what are your thoughts, Franklin, about these equity markets last week and 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 so far this week? Well, technically, it's a disaster, and technically, it can't be repaired. And I'm appalled to listen to people who make their living selling stocks, yeah. telling folks not to panic. And yeah. that's, that's that's not that's not less than criminal to me because you can look at the stock market, and I don't know how many. I mean, at the at a chart of any of the stock indices, and I don't know how many technical indicators you have that this is a break waiting to happen, and now it's happened. And the latest thing is a big, a big uh, uh, rounding top or dome, and it's fallen out of that dome. There's a, uh, a rising wedge that was built for years and years and years. There's a, a broadening top in place since last since uh, 1995, and I could, I could just go on and on. When you get a break, a thousand-point break, that's not a glitch. That, and, and when you get 500-point down days, two days in a row, that's not a glitch. What these people are not telling anyone is that crashes go in six- to eight-week cycles. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? That this sure. not going to be over for six to eight weeks, and a 20% drop would take the Dow down to about 14,500, and you'll get at least a 20% drop from the high, and this could, and this is just, this is my opinion, this is going to go on for at least seven more years. You, you broke the back of the market, and you'll see, I think you'll certainly see the Fed panic and come out with QE4. Yeah. And my only question is, you know, which path will, will, will this panic take the path of 2008 where stocks fell and gold and silver fell, but the dollar rose, or this time will the dollar fall along with stocks and gold and silver rise? And so far, the dollar is falling. That, that's one of the scariest things, Jay, that I see happening is apparently... There's a complete lack of faith in the dollar. Well, we did see the Treasury market come back a little bit yesterday, but not an awful lot compared to the amount of carnage in the equity markets, I would say. So I I hear. The dollar was down 245 points yesterday at one point. That's incredible. It did rally, though, and I think it was up stronger today. I haven't seen it in recent, uh, in in the last hour or so. But you know, you talk about. Go ahead. I think, I'm sorry, I think it's up about 85 points. 
Okay, so it's not made up anywhere near what it's lost. So now, uh, you know, you, you talk about QE4. I'm reading here that uh, Bridgewater, highly acclaimed uh, uh, equity fund, uh, is suggesting uh, that we – is also talking about QE4. Uh, the, 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 these are the headlines uh, – uh, these are the headlines um, from um, Zero Hedge. Uh, forget rate hikes. Bridgewater says QE4 is next. Warren's world is approaching end of debt super cycle. Now, this super cycle is what you're talking about. I think what Dr. Robert McHugh is talking about, Robert Prechter and other people that are looking at something much, much bigger than than the sort of correction language that is being talked about by these talking heads on television that are, as you say, trying to sell stocks, huh? Right. Well, you're, ta- you're looking at cycles that go back. You're looking at a trend that goes back to 1720. Exactly. So, what, and, and if you look at that, that broadening top that I mentioned from 1995 forward, that's horrifying. I mean, this, that's been going on 20 years. It's been making that formation. And, you know, the implications are that, well, the implications just that the, Measuring implication of that figure alone is ridiculous. It shows a negative value for stocks, and of course, that's not going to happen. They could go below zero. But, uh, and I'm not saying that, that stocks will be destroyed completely. I'm just saying the implication of all those indicators is that there's going to be a huge, huge correction. And I think what, what's happening is that the, the, the symbiotic relationship between banks and government or you can call it the fascist relationship between banks and governments that was set sure. up in 1913 in this country and has, has, of course, covered the globe, where you've got a government that finances its deficit, deficit spending through, the bank, uh, through a central bank, and the central bank coordinates the looting of the banking system, that is, right. the looting that the banking system does. I think that system is what's falling apart, that mm-hmm. entire system. And yeah. so somehow out of this... Central banks will be discredited and probably repudiated, but that's jumping way ahead of where we are now. Yeah, but it's you know, it, it, you certainly the handwriting does seem to be on the wall for that. No, no question about it. In 1913, of course, was a big step, and then 1971, which really freed the banks up to create this enormous amounts of credit amount, allowed the United States to create money that it used then to expand the empire, the Anglo-American empire, to the point now where I think. I don't know your your thoughts about this, where we could be endangered with, with global conflict as a result of it. Oh, certainly, because the United States has a history of going to war when economic times get tough. Right. And right. No, not only that, but the, the wars that we have seen on the scale that we have seen were impossible without central banks. Right. Exactly. Well, my, you know, my, my engineer is telling me we only have three minutes left. Uh, it's gone so fast. Uh, so I have to ask you about one of the things you've talked about and you seem to give a great deal of importance to is the ratio between the Dow and the gold price and the Dow and silver. Talk to us a little bit about that. What are you seeing in terms of the Dow to gold price uh, and the Dow to silver price right now? Dow gold uh, peaked in August of uh 1999 and Dow Silver peaked in June of uh, 2001. That is the most reliable indicator I know of. And what it told us was get out of stocks and get into gold. Get out of stocks and get into silver. It went from 44 ounces of gold to buy the Dow down to about 
five and a half. It's rallied back up to about 16. It will go to one to one before this is over. All right, so that's, uh, I know that's the Dow to gold, and, and we've seen that, and, and actually the last time that happened was about 1980 when we got to just about that ratio with gold at $850 and the Dow below 1000 Are you suggesting that that's the kind of thing we can look forward to in the future? Of course, uh, the last five years, Franklin, you'd have been a lot better off selling your gold and silver and buying, and buying stocks, but you're saying that party's over now. Absolutely, and that's exactly what the Dow Gold is telling you. And the Dow Silver as well. And, you know, when I say it's going to go back to one, one ounce to buy the entire Dow, that's the point it always goes back to. I mean, it's been back there in three cycles already. So this is, there's a lot of historical evidence for that. And, you know, it, it tends to return to that one ounce or one to two ounces to buy the whole Dow. All right, we've got a minute left, so I've got to really cut this off. But I, I have to mention that one of the things you, you highlighted on your last missive was the premium that's being paid for silver, that is for junk silver. I guess it's 90% silver coin bags. I looked at your price of 1905. That compared about, it was about 29% premium over the quoted price of silver. So I guess what you're suggesting is uh, that it's time to buy silver. Silver looks like a, like a great buying opportunity now, even right, more than gold perhaps. But if you, if people who own 90% silver bags, I did a trade today where we took four 90% silver bags and the customer gained 20% in ounces. Wow. So, that's, that's really, well, that's, that's fascinating. Well, look, we have to go. My engineer is telling me we got 30 seconds. So unfortunately, we've got to go. I want to have you back, of course, Franklin, to talk about many different topics in the future. Thanks so much for being with us and, and look to do it again sometime in the near future. Well, folks, that is all the time we have. Next week, Bill Lagner, hedge fund manager, will be with us. He and his partner, Frank Duffy, posted some phenomenal gains in 2008-2009 by being short uh, the equity market and long in gold and silver, and they think it's time to do that again. I think they probably would agree with Franklin Sanders. That's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank my uh, Tacey Trump, my producer, Matt Widener, my engineer. Thanks to each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Novo Resources Corporation, trading symbols NSRPF on the OTCQX and NVO on the Canadian Securities Exchange, is an advanced junior mining exploration company whose highly prospective assets are located in the Hammersley Basin of Western Australia. Novo's flagship asset, its Beaton's Creek Project, has an NI43101 compliant resource of 420,000 ounces at a grade of 1.5 grams per ton. With $10 million in cash and strong shareholder support from Newmont Mining, Novo looks to complete a feasibility study in the first quarter of 2015. Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified, low-cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth-oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation and is on pace to double output in 2015. 
Avino recently partnered with Samsung CNT and is now an official metal supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the NYSE market and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM. If you want a silver lining in your portfolio, think of Eno.